The James Suckling Podcast. Wine ratings, reports, interviews and more. Yeah, tell me about your, uh, your eight. It's interesting. I have some 18s and 17s. And you know, I'm a big fan of um, 18. I think they're amazing wines with beautiful balance and, um, and precision. But actually, you know, it's not, it's interesting to taste them against some 17s. And, you know, it's, a, it's a, certainly different, but, you know, they're not that far apart. No, they're not. And I, I think that, um, you know, there's a little difference in blending what we did in the in the cellar too that makes them a little closer because I uh, retasted today some of them with Michael and I was saying you know the the alu in particular the 17 versus the 18 um is really interesting like they're both delicious wines but the 17 is just a little bit you know a little bit leaner not quite as plump on the the finish and the palate I mean the 18s I think are just fantastic Yes. They're well worthy of stocking your sellers with. And, you know, the 17s, you know, are, it's hard when they're two good vintages, right? And I see that, you know, with Michael and I was tasting today that, um, you know, a lot more Petite Verdot in the blends in 17 to kind of um, clump up the density. Oh, that's bit. really interesting. Yeah. Because uh, I'm tasting the, the dollar hide elevation 17 against the 18 okay. and and so the 17 has does does that have petite verdot that has just a little bit um a little bit of malbec and okay. um cabernet Sauvignon. there um our premier napa valley lot had a little malbec and petite verdot though <laughs> oh okay yeah but um But it comes across, the 17 comes across very fresh. I think that's kind of consistent with the wines from Dollarhead, though. I think they always have yeah. a little freshness. They're always bright. I think Michael's wines in general have bright acidity. Yeah. Um, they, and to me, I think all of them need more time, more so than most um, Napa wines. I feel like they really start to taste nice after five, six years, if you can, you know, hang on and then 10, 15. <laughs> but I like the- No, but they're really the tasty fresh. already though, I must say. And um, another thing was that I, as always, I enjoyed the Merlot. And so I have the two vintages, but why do you think Merlot hasn't really you know, it's hasn't really taken off in Napa and, but it, but there's a number of really good Merlots. It's, you know, just overlooked by so many people, like undervalued think, in a way. I don't understand it. And I think it's seriously undervalued. And I actually thought the 17 and the 18 Merlot, when I tasted them next to each other today, were the best value. I, I said to Michael, we're going to raise the price on this darn thing, the 18. Before yeah. We it's delicious. It really Wine is. is a steal. And, you know, he does a lot of um, whole berry barrel fermentation on that. And uh -huh, even interesting. More so with, with the 18 vintage. And it gives it just that, that plump center feel. But I think where we are has fantastic Merlot. You know, there's that Swanson Vineyard 
it's not mm -hmm. Swanson anymore across the street. They made some fabulous Merlot there at That's Angelnook, the Merlot off that property. How many how many acres do you have there then? Um, oof, that's a good question. We only have 33 planted total in Rutherford. I'm trying to think about half that's probably Merlot. 12 acres, I think we have Merlot. And so how much of the pure pure Mer Merlot do you like do you make to I guess to some of the does it all go into a uh, to the single varietal uh, bottling or do you use some in the blends? No, we use a lot in the in the ALU and in the RU3 as well. Mm -hmm. um, so all the all the Merlot is grown at Rutherford and all the Cabernet Franc is grown at Rutherford. So everything in the ALU that's Merlot and Cabernet Franc is, is from Rutherford. And then in the RU3, it's Petit Bordeaux, Merlot and um, Cabernet Sauvignon all from Rutherford. But we make about 1800 cases of it. Sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. So, on, you know, the wine. remind me of the difference between RU3 and um, ALU then. So the ALU is um, kind of the best wine we make from the vintage mm -hmm. from both properties. So it's a combination okay. of Dollarhide. Um, it's got Malbec in it, and it usually has all five red Bordeaux varietals. And the RU3 is the best we can make from the Rutherford Vineyard. And um, oh, okay. we found that we just like um, Petit Verdot, Merlot, and Cabernet Sauvignon in it. Michael hasn't put any um, Cabernet Franc in it. The, the yeah, the eighteens really have. Oh, I'm tasting the RU3 and the Alu. They really have this purity of fruit, and they're um, they're sort of weightless in a way. They're they're lots of flavor, but they're not at all heavy. I think that's a real sign of 18. Yeah, and I think that the 17 is like that too, but I feel mm -hmm. like the finish that you get, the, the length of the finish on the 18s, it's just a little bit plumper and a little bit longer and more mm. seamless, particularly mm. with the, the Dollar Hide Cabernet that the finish on it too, it, it's lively, but, um, but the length and um, simultaneous density in the length, I think is, um, is kind of consist for me, that was kind of a consistent feature among the 18s. Have you had, what sort of response have you had on 18 then? Um, really exceptionally well, particularly for the Napa State Cabernet, that's been flying um, as entry. Um, we'll probably be sold out of it here in a few months. So, and so nice. do you think that it's pretty, it, like, do, uh, do, do your customers and do consumers know that 2018 is really a, a fantastic vintage? Like, is it pretty well accepted or, and understood? I think so. I mean, we, we're not serving as many 18s. We've been serving 16s, which I think 16 is a pretty fantastic and similar vintage. Yeah, I totally a lot agree. Of so um, that's kind of where we've been for most of it. We'll probably by fall, we'll be moving through the 17s. We're selling the 18 Rutherford Cabernet and the Napa State Cabernet. And probably by the fall, the others, other than the club members. Okay, well that, anyways, there's a lot to look forward to then. Yeah, <laughs> <that's exciting. laughs> And then what do you think, what's your, 
What's your thought on 19? You know, I've been really happy with the 19s. I um, I think they're pretty delicious. We had so much rain at the beginning of the, the 19 season, and that was kind of the last rain we've had. <laughs> it was That's close, you know, winter 19 in January, February winter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy that. Yeah. I mean, the 20s were tasting great until, you know, the fire. Another vintage. <laughs> Did you make any 20? We made a little bit of Sauvignon Blanc. So we had started harvest um, the night before the lightning storm. So we had two nights of harvest um, prior to the, the fires. And then, um, you know, the fire this time kind of converged on our property. So, um, so you know, the smoke situation, you just couldn't resolve any of that. We didn't pick the reds or anything out there. That's and um, we tried to to pick everything. You know, we looked at it. We did bucket ferments, just like everybody else, right? Yeah. And then, um, yeah, couldn't make it. It was it was so disappointing for everybody, right? You work all year long, and then in a flash, it's gone. So we made about eighteen hundred cases of the Napa Valley Estate Sauvignon Blanc, and um, it was really nice. The um, team agreed to give $5 a bottle to the Napa Valley Community Foundation Disaster Relief Fund. So that'll be a nice uh, donation in honor of our neighbors who, who came with their bulldozers and helped save our property. It's crazy. <laughs> so be, there's like, I've heard 1,400 lightning strikes that hit in, that's you know, hours. That's right? just so like that, a freak of, yeah, a freak of nature. A freak of nature, and we were so lucky that it, we didn't have the wind like we did in '17. I mean, remember yeah, the wind? That was insane. We didn't have that. Thank God. Okay, I you know no one yeah. ever told me that. That's really interesting. I heard a really interesting story from um, Will Harlan. They actually mm -hmm. made um, they made a normal quantity at Harlan of uh, twenty, and it's very interesting that uh, that they saw the first fire um, on Pritchard Hill and they decided to pick everything. Wow. Because they thought it was gonna come down. And it was, what I thought was a really interesting story is he said that it made them, you know, they said, okay, well, let's just, let's pick, because you know, they really gambled. We think there's gonna be a big problem. So they picked everything and, and then they started analyzing the grapes. And of course they were picking a month early. And right. they say now, now they taste the wines and they're fantastic. And they said, you know, uh, we really like, you know, th this sort of goes back to the, what we used to do in the early nineties when people mm -hmm. picked earlier. And so <clears throat> I think it's interesting that people are just reevaluating, they're reevaluating, you know, their parameters for ripeness and, what happened, you know, and uh, stylistically the wines and it's sort of all interesting what Napa's, you know, going through because of, let's say an amazing year, like 18, where, when it was cool and long and then a crazier, like 20, where you have, you know, you have to pick earlier. So even Philip Milka was saying that too. He says, yeah, now I have the feeling we have to understand how we can pick earlier, but still have the, um, the ripeness we want you know, for our wines. And I think there's a whole, like um, a lot of, let's say people in that generation and younger are really thinking about that. So it's, it's sort of interesting times. <laughs>